0: So joining me today here, I have Drew, who is uh, the lead singer of Rosellas, who formed in 2019, my goodness, not even that long ago, but they have done fantastically well. They are Manchester-based, influenced by the Smiths, and a lot of bands that are from the 90s, all the kind of like Britpop and indie-sounding bands. Um, They've self-produced an EP, Their debut single, Born Under a Cloud, was on that EP. Uh, We'll get to that in a moment, because I've got a lot of questions about that song. Um, And uh, yeah, joining me is Drew Selby, the cheeky Mancunian frontman singer, songwriter. And uh, I can can tell he also plays guitar, because I can see a Fender in the background there as well. And uh, (laughs) not to mention, a fellow Pink Floyd fan as well. Drew, welcome. (laughs)
1: Thank you for having me.
0: That's OK. My pleasure, actually. So, yeah, I'm just going to get straight to it, because I really want to know um, about the story behind Born Under a Cloud, because I-, I can hear a lot of like football stuff going on in the background. And I think, hmm.
1: yeah.
0: football influence, maybe?
1: Well, the, like you said before, but, um, me being the cheeky frontman singer and all that palaver, and the songwriter, I actually share the songwriting shift with the rhythm guitar player from the band Ewan. And um, sometimes I write songs on my own, sometimes he writes them on his own, and sometimes we come together, write and both together. But Born Under a Cloud was actually written by Ewan. And that started life off probably around like three years ago. And he, what he does is gets these ideas down on the guitar and sends me a voice memo. And I'm telling you now, the original voice memo I've got on my for that tune is about eight minutes long. It's <laughs> like, I was singing like four verses. There wasn't a chorus or anything, there was just... It was honestly, but it was fantastic because it was him just having a brain fart onto his guitar. You know what I mean? It was everything just going down on it. And then um, he got me involved. I sort of like chopped and changed a few little bits. We worked on like um, a bit of a solo together, got the structure of it together. I mean, it's still sitting at about five and a half minutes long. So it's still it a bit a long of a But I mean, I ask him even to this day, like what on earth are you on about in that tune, man? And he's steadfast that he won't tell me. He knows what it's about, but he shares the same view of me. And I think it's when you write a song that's about something pretty close to your heart, it's best to tell people what it's not about because people will listen to that song and give it its own meaning and relate it to something that's happened to them. You know what I mean? And that's when it will stick in their head. So he hasn't told me what it is. The interesting thing
0: that you guys have done that is the apt timing of that song coming out as a single and an EP because obviously COVID struck and uh, anyone that's being born now, (laughs) you know, you don't say anymore, Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you as a fellow musician. I think if you can write something that can have a hundred different meanings to a hundred different people, then, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got it. And it's got a good hook. You know, I walk around my flat, humming it all the time because it's oh, it's, of a
1: belted, it's that it's that driven drum beat that it starts off with it's just proper like that song and that's why it was the first like main single we put out like you said we did um that we, we did three eps before that they were all like the stuff that i produced but actually just to correct you before when um when we went on and born under cloud that's when we worked with our producer oliver Shillito. so you'll notice a bit of the difference like born under cloud sounds mental it's like proper professional My mixes aren't quite there yet. I'm getting there, but you know, it's a belter of a tune, man. And the way Oliver helped us capture it and record it. It It is a belter of a tune. uh, To kick it off for us.
0: Definitely one of my favorites by far. I play it a lot on Get To Know Them Before Fame and Fortune because it is just, it's one of my favorites. I can't get away from it. I've played it every single show since we were sent it. And you know, even before you were like pick of the week, I'm playing that tune on the show. I think it was like a week before um, and I was, I was handed the EP and I was like, who are they? Who are they? I had a look. And I was like, I couldn't stop playing it because I was like, this takes me right back. Like, look, in honor of the nineties, look, I've done my hair like nineties styles <laughs> today. Okay. In honor of like chatting with you, because it, it, it's like going back in time. Every time I listen to a track and I was there, <laughs> you know, I was there <laughs> in the nineties. I was, I was teen at the time. And it is like listening to like the very first time I sort of heard Arctic monkeys or happy Mondays, yeah. or there's a real sense of this is a track from a nostalgic era when yeah. I listen to that EP and it is very, very well produced. Um, and I know you've mentioned that you you self produced a lot of tracks. So what is your self producing process that you go through? Obviously, you know, putting Born Under a Cloud and the EP on the burner that, that you've done professionally, yeah. but your personal way of producing?
1: Well, even for like Born Under a Cloud and the other, uh, the B-side on it, maybe twice, any song that either I write or me and Ewan or Ewan writes on his own, we always uh, come to my gaff or I, I do it here on my own and we get it down in demo form because because um, of my studies at uni and high school and stuff like that. I know how to use Logic, which is like a, recording software. i've got a home studio as it were it's you know two speakers and a computer it's but all it's on enough.
0: pc these days <laughs>
1: yeah. it's enough with like a little audio interface to record in like guitars and bass Luis will come around and throw down some keyboard we'll get either some drums recorded at mark's house or i'll program some in we just kind of mix and match whatever we can and i'll mix it into a form it's not it's not really like a demo it's kind of like a pleasant listening demo, like a good demo, if you know what I'm getting at, one that you can whack on in the car and it'd hold up against other stuff you're listening to. And um, once we've got the songs to that point, then we just sit on them for as long as we need. We listen to them all, like I listened to Born Under Cloud probably like a thousand times while I was mixing that, before we'd even gone to the bloody studio to get it properly done because you just want to be certain that the melody's right, the lyrics feel right, the whole vibe of the song and then we basically took that to Oliver with a skeleton and he just fleshed it out and made it immense you know what it is now but it pretty much yeah it always starts for me Uh, I'll come up with an idea on the guitar or you and Will we'll get the guitar down first program some like shakers or tambourines in or something then Luis will put his keyboard on it's a very like Step by step methodical process, you know what I mean? And we're fortunate enough now in this era for me to be able to sit here in my PJs and make a song. I couldn't do that in the 90s, you know what I mean? You'd have to get someone to pay for you to do it, you'd have to get off your arse, you know, that's the first part of it. But I can do it sitting here, so you know, we're lucky, but we're making use of it as best we can. Do
0: you know, I agree though, because that is what made me not want to record. Uh, back, sort of like late nineties, early two thousands. I didn't want to do any recording because it is a bloody long process, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I was a going out, you know, gigging kind of girl with with the bands, kind of thing. And I did loads of loads of different kind of like cover work with different bands and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but now it's dead easy. You're right. You can sit in your PJs, you know. No one knows that you've produced that track in your PJs. And people are even no. selling self produced tracks, aren't they? in this day and age but yeah the
1: amount of like bedroom artists there are is ridiculous like there's so many of them I mean like I've never personally listened to him but someone that always um does is one of my mates and he tells me like I think Rex Orange County was like or at least he started as like a bedroom artist or something like that and I've listened to some of his tunes just to hear you know what his production is like and it's insane like you can do whatever you bloody want with it because the resources are just there aren't they
0: they absolutely are, they're at your fingertips. But I mean, what made you choose to go down the route of now going down the professional recording route rather than self-producing? What what suddenly sparked that after kind of doing a load of self-produced stuff?
1: Um probably because the the, the guy that the guy that is our producer, Oliver Shilato, he's actually my family. He's, he's one of my cousins. And um, back when I was like 16, or 17 he helped me produce like a little EP of my own. And like, I listened back to it and the songwriting is a bloody speck on the arts of what we make in the band <laughs> now. But you know what I mean? It's like, it's all a process, isn't it? So he helped me make a little EP when I was younger and I put that out and whatnot. And he was kind of growing himself as a producer at the time. And then over the years, I just started putting more and more demos in front of him and saying like, look, I've got this band going, here's a tune, here's a tune. And he it's funny because as a mixer and a masterer, he started in, like, heavy metal, and he's branched out since then to, like, acoustic Ben Howardy kind of stuff, our kind of, like, indie stuff. He does, like, a bit of psychedelic. He does bloody dance. Like, the guy's got his finger in a lot of pads, and he's very bloody good at what he does. So I might oh, have to book him, him at him. some point. <laughs> You've really talked <laughs> <him> up that. <laughs> but I, I thought to myself, like, I may as well self-produce these demos as best as I can do them so that he has something to work with, but then the amount of knowledge and professionalism that guy has, and he's got his own home studio, which is kitted out wall to wall, may as well make use of it, and he's my family as well, so he'll never see me done wrong, and he, he genuinely believes in us as a band, and in us as a group of lads, you know what I mean, he's not like a manager or a mentor, but it's, it's about surrounding yourself with people that are positive energies, you know what I mean, and what I see you do well, instead of just profiting off you, And taking Mm -hmm. your money and giving you a product because bollocks to it, I'm getting paid at the end of the day anyway. He's not one of them. You know, he's he's worth his salt. So, yeah, he's just kind of over the years, he's got more and more involved. And we've got to a point now where, you know, the formula works pretty well.
0: And he, I mean, he sounds like he's done a superb job you know, from what I can hear. And I think that's, it does really show, actually, you can tell that he's actually put his heart into it because you can listen to a lot of tracks and you think, actually, you can tell that that producer's done that for the money because they've kind of whacked it out as quickly as they can onto the next one. Um, You know, I've got a couple of friends who are music producers, one in particular, he's starting up his own studio at the moment. And it takes a lot of hard work. You've got to really believe in the artists these days that you work with, because if you don't, there's no point in working with them. So, yeah, absolutely. You you know, you can hear that. You can definitely hear that. It does make a difference, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I
1: want to know, why 90s
0: that? music? Why, why did you pick 90s indie as your genre as a band? What, was it like a meeting that you guys got together and you went, oh, hang on, let's do something 90s, or or did it just evolve?
1: (laughs) It was, it's primarily come from the fact that me and Ewan write the tunes, and that, you know, we share a lot of differences in our songwriting inspirations and who we listen to. I think he listens to a lot of dross. He probably thinks the same of me. But we find common ground... Did you say
0: bross? Dross. (laughs) The same thing. (laughs)
1: We find common ground on like, I don't know, as soon as I became major, I met the guy on the train to a Blossoms gig, and he was a couple years above me in school, so straight away we hit it off talking about Blossoms, and then obviously from that we got onto things like Oasis, the Stone Roses, the Verve, he tells me he's a big fan of like the Lars from from Liverpool, and like um, the Smiths as well, he's massively into the Smiths, I'm not as much Yeah, like, a lot of people say, like, the people that I've met that love the Smiths, like, love the Smiths, you know what I mean? It's like a proper adoration. And I think with him, he does idolise Morrissey for his lyrical content, stuff like that, which I can't fault him for. I think some of the Smiths songs are a bit bloody depressing at times. Oh, they're very
0: (laughs) depressing. Very, very depressing.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean? Everyone has, like, the different avenues and whatnot. But, yeah, it's just because me and you and right tunes... A, that we want to listen to and B, we write them from the back of our minds where we've subconsciously been hearing like Oasis and all this kind of stuff battering around for years. So we never sat down and thought to ourselves, right, we want to sound like the 90s. We just sat down and thought we want to make what we want to make and what we'd like to listen to. And if someone tells us that that throws them back to 1995, thinking of like Manchester music, then that's great. You know I mean? Someone might tell us it's frozen forward in time to 2033, find a magic carpet for you, no idea. It doesn't matter how people take the music in different ways, but it's validation for us that even someone like yourself says that like Born Under a Cloud is reminiscent of that time because we were, that's sort of what we were subliminally doing through it. We knew it sounded a bit like it. We weren't doing it on purpose. But it's good. It's that the chords, Drew.
0: It's the chords. Yeah. You've got those absolutely spot on. You well, know, that really that's
1: yeah, you and came up with those chords. It's a power.
0: Yeah, he's done a good job of that. So particularly then you personally, your influences, who really influenced you vocally and also, you know, what kind of bands do you like that have inspired mm-hmm. you?
1: I think with me, I split it into kind of two halves because a massive side of it for me, and like the reason why I started self-producing music and making stuff is because like ever since I was a kid, I've always recorded like little ideas and sounds. Like I always started on the music. Lyrics didn't come for me until I was about 16, 17. I used to put it off because I just hated writing them. So musically, I take like, before we started the interview, I was talking to you about Pink Floyd. Like when I was growing up in my house, my mum or my dad would always either have on the Chili Peppers or Pink Floyd. And I remember that that. from the age of about six. It's pretty mad to think, like, you'd be saying to some kid's mum, like, why are you playing him psychedelic music when he's about six? But it pays off because I was hearing certain sounds and I developed an interest in, you know, like, what's that chord or what's that, is that a keyboard? Is it a bloody, I don't know if it was Pink Floyd, it's probably a pair of spoons. But the point (laughs) is, when it comes to, like, the music side of it, I take massive influence from like Pink Floyd and um, actually a lot from Ben Howard as well. Cause in his first album, he was like quite folky. It was a bit poppy, like radio bangers and whatnot. But in his second and latest albums, there's like elements of psych in there and acoustic psych and it's nice and moody. And he just focuses on melody. And I think that's a lot where I get like musical influence from Um, in terms of like lyrically and vocally that sort of started when I found out who Ian Brown was and the Stone Roses. And my mum taught me to see him at the Etihad in 2016. And um, from there, off the back of that, I found out about Oasis, then the Verve. Like Richard Ashcroft is probably my favourite vocalist of all time, shortly followed by maybe like Liam. And then I've got influences from my mum and my sister as well, from like Eddie Vedder, from Pearl Jam, Kurt Cobain. From the So I don't really like, I don't try and sound like any one particular person, but I just know that when I'm listening to like Eddie Vedder's voice or Liam Gallagher's voice and they're putting like pure passion and grit into it, it sounds good, especially for the genre we're in, you know, like rock music, you can't be, you can't be wimping about. Going all you can't all do it by halves all the time. No, you cannot just...
0: do rock by halves, can you? You have no. really got to do it full pout, I mean, I yeah. remember when I was gigging. If you if you don't do full pout, I mean, I used to jump around on the stage like crazy because we, we did very very, you know, kind of we did classic rock and heavy rock covers, yeah. and you're jumping around the stage like crazy because you cannot do it by halves. You can't do a half measure. Wow. You've got to give your all, you know, it's blood, sweat, tears and your soul, isn't it really? Yeah, it's a passionate
1: kind of music, a passionate genre and people want to see that. Like the the key factor is when you're playing live, anyone can sing good on a record because you get 50 takes, 50 layers of it if you want and 50 bloody auto tuners. But when you're on stage doing a gig, if you come off stage and someone says like, wow, your voice was on it, like that was a great gig. That's all the, you know, all the commendation you need for it. Because as long as it holds up live in a wall of guitar and a wall of drums and cymbals like rock music is, you know, it's got to cut through. So, yeah, Yeah. I just try and like keep it powerful and passionate, I guess. Yeah, which
0: which you do, which you're doing really well. So I know you have just finished recording your new single called Damaged. How's that gone?
1: No, it was brilliant. It was great. I think we got into the studio for that like in between, there was like two lockdowns and there was like a little grace period in between. Um, and we got into the studio, got it all recorded pretty quickly, did the drums in a couple of days. And then we were at Oliver's studio laying down like guitars and vocals and keys and stuff like that. But again, like I said before, we'd had those tunes as demos for I think Damaged was like two and a half years old and The Edge and Inside came about like last year. So we all knew exactly what they sounded like, what we wanted to play. So for us, it was more like, I like being in the studio because it's just pure creativity all the time. You know what I mean? Every, like, Luis is great for it, man. He'll just be dabbling about on the keyboard. And he's just one of those guys that's always in tune. He's like that well-trained that he's just playing in key to like a bloody bird outside. Is he
0: classically trained?
1: Did he? He is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He got his grade eight when he was about four (laughs) <laughs> I have no idea actually anybody. You can
0: hear point. it. You can actually hear it. I, I mean I've got a real ear for it. I can tell if someone's classically trained. Yeah. I kept thinking, I, I must ask because it's been niggling me. <laughs> so
1: it is, yeah, right then it, yeah. Yeah,
0: satisfied.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it brings it brings that like, element to our music that I don't think a lot of bands have. Like you listen to Dire Streets, for example, like there's a lot of guitar in there, there's a lot of piano there and keyboard but I don't think they ever really go like hand in hand at the forefront of the tunes. You know what I mean? They're always kind of like dabbling about a bit. And I was sort of thinking to myself, I want to make a sound for a band where it's like a combination of the verve and Oasis and all this like Manchester guitar and melody, but throw some bloody piano in there, like dead heavy right up in the front. And he's someone that is competent enough to play anything. You know what I mean? So it just works. I think we found a bit of a sweet spot with it at the moment.
0: You're very lucky to find someone that is able to do that. I mean, I, I remember we yeah. did, we had a drummer that could do anything at one point and then we mm. had a keyboardist who just couldn't do anything. You know, so <laughs> it's, you're very lucky to find the formula that early on, you know, and many bands struggle with that, finding the formula of those people that can play. I mean, if, even if you look at bands like... The Who, when they lost Keith Moon, who was an epic drummer, you yeah. know, they replaced him um, with um, with somebody else and and Charlie, who they replaced him with, they couldn't get used to. They just couldn't get used to his style. You know, mm. you fast forward now and they've had to get used to Zach Starkey, who was actually trained by Keith Moon as a drummer, um, yeah. but he's he's Ringo Starr's son, you know, and That's he's, he's 20 years of. younger than that. <laughs> I was going
1: to ask you where I'd heard that name before. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I've listened yeah, I mean, to a bit of the Who since I was a kid, but i never like—I was never properly into it. So I didn't even know what happened after Keith Moon wasn't around. So it's interesting you say that because it does yeah, happen. Yeah. You're right. Bands spend a lot of time like deciding how to sound, and it depends on factors like people not pulling the weight, someone shredding too much, all this shit. But um, yeah, yeah. I think I think we've 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 got a pretty decent thing going
0: about getting the balance isn't it really yeah. it's about yeah, you know absolutely. playing to your talents isn't it really as a band which I think you guys are doing and I think you've done a really great job so far really um mm. but you know Covid has changed everything now and if mm. we are permanently changed what is the future for Rosalis how oh, do you feel that's going to
1: that's a big question <laughs> well I think the number one thing we can't wait to come back is face to face gigs because, like, every musician you'll ever interview says to you that feeling is like a drug. You know, when people are singing the words and just going mental and like, that's the thing that we put as paramount above everything. Having
0: the crowd in the palm of your hand.
1: As absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And just having complete <laughs> and utter control over a room. You know what I mean? Like but but the Force, isn't it?
0: It's Like Star yeah. Wars, the Jedi Force. You're up there like
1: a Jedi master, yeah. mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. looking the way that that's not going to come back for a while and it's all going online. So we were lucky enough to get involved with a project and by like like a company or organization called everybody belongs here where they've put on this online charity gig that we're a part of and i think sam smith blossoms fontaines dc newton Faulkner, and then about 500 million other bands like us are playing the so big it.
0: names in there already yeah, yeah. yeah man there
1: are a few big names in there so we're looking forward to it and we went and pre-recorded a little set to it a few tunes at, um the met in berry and then they're going to sell tickets for it. It's all for charity and that. But then everyone's going to be able to tune in and watch it. And while, you know, thousands of people might see us that way and it'd be great, I'd much prefer 4,000 heads sitting right in front of me now. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't ever compare. But everyone is in the same boat and everyone has just got to get on with it. and really Take what just... you
0: can, don't you, really, in yeah, times like this. Exactly.
1: exactly. And yeah. if that's the way it's going, we're up for getting involved with whatever we can you know what mm-hmm. i mean i mean socially distanced gigs like they don't really tick on my belly that much because i just can't imagine the atmosphere being there you know what i mean having to sit on a couch with one person around you here and then well 50 meters down that way there's a couple more you can't even go and get a beer when you want it's- if
0: they're anything
1: like one of
0: the first gigs i played when i lived in leicester we played at a pub called duffy's bar and we had three people in the audience that night because the owner forgot to advertise the gig. <laughs> so uh, anything like that, no thanks.
1: <laughs> uh, hey, every, band, every band does that. We've done gigs to the sound guy before and just the sound guy. You know, six people in the room of which we were five. So it, it gets that way sometimes.
0: Do you have that mindset of when that has happened? Because the mindset I had was well, we'll just treat this as a paid rehearsal. We're getting paid to be here. We've got free beer at the bar. You yeah. know, let's just treat it as a paid rehearsal. And we literally just went all out to kind of rehearse for our next gig, basically. Do yeah. you guys treat it the same when you've had that? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I mean, if there's a rider involved, then it's just a free night of drinking and you don't even have to perform very well because there's no one there to <laughs> criticise you. But mm. yeah, it, 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 you got to treat everything, like every second you play has practice in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's not often that especially when you've got five lads in a band, like you can't always rehearse all the time because everyone's got jobs in uni and girlfriends and all sorts of stuff going on. So at least when you're there and you're all on stage and you set up, who gives one how many people are in the audience. You know what I mean? If there is a hundred, fantastic, but if there's one, don't matter, we're still gonna do the gig. You still got to exactly. play it and you get the practice in, don't you? Cause eventually you'll get to the point where you can't do a gig to one person at all. Every gig, there'll be 5,000 people there and you cannot make a mistake. So unless you don't practice your arse off at this point, you're going to be sort of bollocks a bit later.
0: It's the groundwork, isn't it, really? Absolutely. It's the groundwork Absolutely. that counts at the end of the day. And that's yeah. what keeps most musicians in the business for a long, long time, that groundwork, you know? So it's really good to hear you say that. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's really good. I heard that you you're you did have a gig planned for July. So was that the online gig that you've been talking about or was that something else that was planned in July? Uh,
1: actually not, the online gig is happening uh, in a couple of weeks, 28th, 29th of January. Um, Great, we
0: need the details I- of that then.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know I kind of brushed <laughs> the surface with it, didn't I? And didn't give much away. Yeah, it's all on our social medias. Like we have posted about on Instagram and there's ticket links out there. Tickets are on Dice FM. I think if you just type in uh, music feeds, it's a music feeds event. So it'll come up there. Um, but the one, uh, I think it's about 10, 15 quid for that. And it gets you mm. access to that both days. But it's all for charity. So, you know, nothing holding you back. Get involved. What else are you going to be doing other than sitting at home on your backside? You okay. May as well watch a gig. Um, Gulliver's is the 10th of July um, and that is a gig that we have put on ourselves, like we've hired out the venue ourselves uh, there's no one promoting it for us we're doing it all ourselves, we're going to put one of our mates on the doors, you know what I mean, it's a bit of like a grassroots type thing because then we get to sharing all the <laughs> profits <laughs> but um, yeah, that was originally meant to be I think like last September and then it got postponed to like April Then it was to August. Then it was to like January. So it's been postponed and put back a hell of a lot. But now, hopefully, that's going to go ahead in July. Crossed. Yeah, and there's still there's still tickets available for that. Not many. We're getting there slowly. How do we
0: get those tickets? That's what everyone's going to want to know. Because Uh, they when I play this interview out, they're going to hear your your song, one of your songs, straight after this interview (laughs) and before. You know, so they're going to want to know where do they get those tickets from? How
1: you can get them on our Facebook it's listed on our events and there's a ticket link on there you can also get it on the Gulliver's website Castle Eagle Gulliver's and you can also get it on ticketweb.co.uk if you type in Rose Ellis. and actually if you go on our Spotify there's a little link to it on there like on the um, on the live section so yeah hopefully that's enough you should be able so to Facebook find
0: it Spotify Gulliver's <laughs>
1: yeah it's, it's everywhere you you'll probably see it in your local news agents tomorrow morning when you walk in
0: <laughs> true Selby, thank you so much for joining us here on my radio it's thank been an absolute much. pleasure i hope you'll come back all of you when covid has died down and uh, I, I can't really say when covid is over but you know all of you it would be lovely to kind of meet the rest of the lads and uh, you know may, maybe even see you at a gig